All right. Thank you for tuning in to our Disney Plus weekly review. Uh, my name is Joe Fricky, joined as always by my co-host Tristan Mayer. Uh, if you haven't watched our show before, each week we kind of break down what dropped the previous week on Disney Plus. Uh, I think it's kind of be a sign of things for come the next few weeks or so on Disney Plus. Kind of a thin week. Normally we'd find like that weird documentary or a new show that isn't really our kind of flavor that dropped, and there wasn't really anything this week. There was just kind of our two main shows and then we'll kind of just talk about some other stuff to fill airtime but we'll make it as entertaining as we can Tristan do you feel differently no I mean we have two very good episodes to talk about so I don't think we're gonna be having to fill much airtime to be honest with you Joe I think between the two episodes we got I'm very satisfied with this week at Disney Plus like sure we didn't get much oddball stuff but that's only because they were hitting hard with their two big home run shows and I think both of them pretty much knocked it out of the park for me outside of a couple little notches but yeah, I'm going to be very positive this week outside of the fact that, yeah, sure, it's light, but sure, it'll be a great conversation anyway. Yeah, I think I think I agree, too. And we'll, you know, if you're watching us on YouTube or on Twitch, you'll see uh, our four main topics. And so, starting with the first topic on the left, uh, we have, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Uh, I will say, because they gave three episodes to people who are a little more high-profile than us, I, I thought they were just good. I thought that's how the show was going to be, is they were going to drop, like, three episodes at a time. I didn't think they were going to drop the first one, but I also kind of expected the episodes to be shorter. I didn't expect a full 30-minute. If I had known these shows were going to be a full 30 minutes apiece, I would have probably realized that, oh, these are going to be one one per week, once a week drops, not three at a time drops because I expected like 10 to 15 minute episodes to be honest but honestly I wish it were longer what are your thoughts on what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger I had a really good time with it uh sure I wish it were longer it's only because I wanted more of it (laughs) I think for an introduction to what the multiverse was I thought it was really effective from just the opening credits alone you get it thrown into what the idea is of the multiverse so I think anybody watching along you isn't following podcasts, isn't watching YouTube videos, isn't dissecting every little uh, frame, and even following the headlines. You already can watch just this one episode and know what the multiverse is going on and know what the rules are. So I think it, it kind of eased me in a way where I was like, well, how is, how is Marvel going to bring in all of this all of this wider multiverse concept and make it work? And this was just like, oh, just explain it to us in, in 30 seconds, and then it works. <laughs> yeah, having uh, Jeffrey Wright as... Uh, the Watcher, who people may know as Felix Leiter in the Daniel Craig James Bond movies, and they will soon know him as Jim Gordon in the Matt Reeves, uh, Robert Pattinson Batman movies. So, but yeah, having him kind of as the narrator, as the Watcher, I think was a very smart move. Um, I, I really liked, I think this was a good jumping off point. I think it kind of... Because if you remembered the first movie, you see exactly how it switches up. Captain America is so iconic. Uh, what Car- Agent Carter is like famous inside the MCU. So I think having that switch perfectly tells you exactly what this show is going to be. It's, it's an alternate universe. It's an alternate story. Uh, how did, one thing I wanted your opinion on. How did, how did you feel about the number of callbacks to the movie, the original movie itself? And kind of the MCU as a whole. I, to me, I honestly felt there may have been a few too many, like where they pulled uh, Bucky up and he's like, oh, you almost ripped my arm off. And I feel like there <laughs> are a few too many moments like that. Yeah, this show, I think, definitely leans more towards the kid audience than Bad Batch does. So I think a lot of that stuff is just like, oh, kids, remember the, remember the scene from the movie? And especially for the premiere, I think they really want to hammer home like, remember this, this is the story of those characters before, like what have happened to these characters. So anybody who, like I mentioned, isn't following along, they're making sure you know exactly what's happening. But yeah, I think Bucky, his character in particular, was like every line he had was just like some bad line. And yeah, I was, was like, like, oh uh, no, Sebastian Stan came back for this. Yeah, it was like a semi-reference to something he did in one of the other movies, basically. <laughs> I'm surprised no one made a like Captain America's ass reference, or America's ass reference, but... What are you going to do? I, I did. I really like, I mean, they showed it in the clip that they previewed a couple weeks ago, but I really like the idea of Howard Stark essentially building a proto Iron Man suit for uh, Steve. And I kind of want to want to know, how does that change the Tony Stark of that timeline? Because 
to me, part of Tony Stark's drive was he saw Captain America as this, like, golden child, older brother because of how much his dad idolized him and talked about him growing up. And so I'm curious if that, if basically the Tony of this timeline became a super soldier and had took the serum, or if he built an Iron Man suit earlier on to prove, like, he was better than his dad because his Iron Man suit was better than his dad's uh, Hydra Stomper suit. Yeah, I'm very curious if that'll return to this timeline of the multiverse or if we're just going to go on without it. Yeah. Like, when we when we thought for a moment that Steve was dead in the train sequence, uh, I was really convinced that, oh, they're going to set up that in some feature episode, Steve Rogers comes back as the Winter Soldier and they're going to get like a Steve versus Peggy uh, Winter Soldier <laughs> storyline. But they didn't go that route. That would have been very cool. But I, I do think yeah, it's they, they brought him back. I do think it's possible in like season two or season three, they could be like, Hey, this is part two of that episode. Cause I think in the trailer, there is a couple more shots with captain Carter that we didn't see in this yep. episode. So I, I think from what we can tell, they're going to go forward with these as like a continuous storyline or, or just, I can't really tell yet from this episode as we got it, if it's going to be a continuous storyline or just standalone episodes, but I have heard that it's going to be a storyline, so I'm not sure what to what I, I have. Now. I have my prediction on that. So there is a moment, I can't remember if it's the Watcher or the Ancient One, but one of them is talking to Doctor Strange, essentially about the multiverse. So my prediction is we're going to see maybe in the first three episodes, they're all kind of these standalone adventures, and then we're going to get to a Steve Rogers um, not Steve Rogers, sorry, Doctor Strange episode, a what if Doctor Strange episode, and something's going to happen to cause him to like go into the multiverse and see all of these different timelines. Yeah, because I do want them to get more weird with it. This was very fun to see like Peggy Carter and this hero role, because I'm, I'm a big fan of Peggy Carter, and I think it's cool to see her be the Captain America, or the Captain Carter, I guess you'd call her, of this universe. Uh, but I do hope we can get more weird than just like, what if this character was actually this character, you know, and it looks like next week is going to be essentially what if Black Panther was Star-Lord, and I hope, and there's a scene in the trailer we're going to get like a what if Spider-Man was Doctor Strange and that kind of stuff, and I don't want it to be just that, Yeah. so I'm hoping we can get more really abstract, like we, see, we saw Marvel Zombies, so maybe we can get more weird stuff like that. Yeah, I, I do think eventually it's going to hit a point where there is a connective type thing with Doctor Strange or somebody that kind of weaves it all together. That is, that's my prediction. But I really enjoyed it, and I think uh, if you're a Marvel fan, you'll definitely enjoy it as well. Yeah, I think especially if you're a Marvel fan, you get a lot of good throwbacks. Joe mentioned that there's a lot of references, but I do think it kind of felt really nostalgic and poetic to get, especially this far into the MCU, the first Avenger, such a faraway movie, yeah. and it's just like these throwbacks to a simpler age when it was just heroes and villains and you had this poetic nature of like, oh, sure, everything's changed, but there's these characters like Captain America and and Peggy Carter and Steve and uh, Steve Trevor and uh, not Steve Trevor, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Captain America and Peggy Carter are larger Steve than life Rogers, characters that yeah. have have these destinies and Steve Rogers, yeah. Or even when stuff changes, they're still brought together and they still fall in love and they still have these past go down. So I thought it was really interesting, very Star Wars in the Marvel universe. Yeah, definitely. What if it's definitely something I'd like Lucasfilm and Star Wars to do at some point? We're getting Star Wars Visions. I wonder if that's going to be the similar thing of this. No, they've they've talked about what Visions is. Visions is basically, um, they've like given various anime studios like free reign just to do whatever they want and like don't worry if it connects to Star Wars canon or not. And basically, I think Boba Fett is like the only known character that appears in any of the animes. Huh. So it's all, like, original stories that are, like, in- essentially inspired by Star Wars. Yeah, I'm into that. I do – that's similar in a vein to this, and, and at least in the appeal that, like, I, I like the fact that this is getting us beyond the continuous story. Something that gets kind of dull for me watching along to the MCU is the story just goes forward and forward and forward and forward, and there's never, like – nothing ever feels like it's ending or, like, climaxing, no. at least until Endgame. And this feels like an interesting little subversion. Like, I'm almost going to get this one story here, one story there. And it's a lot more fun than having to follow along to every little tiny clue to follow the plot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If you were a fan of the first Avenger, 
Or if you're just an MCU fan in general and you haven't watched What If, uh, I would definitely say to check this out because I feel like you'd enjoy it. I want to say I did like the animation style. I saw some people uh, talking shit about the animation, but I really, I really enjoyed it, at least for a Disney Plus TV show. Yeah, I think for 90% of it, I liked it a lot. It's no Bad Batch, but I think it looked great. Yeah. The only thing I think didn't look great was the large villain at the end. I don't want to get into yeah. super spoilers on this, I guess, because mm. we haven't gotten to tons of detail, but there's a huge villain at the end that I didn't expect to see, and this, the effects on that were not great. <laughs> but the rest yeah. of the action I was actually really impressed with. There's a plane sequence that goes along to old-style music I thought was really impressive, and I thought that was... There's an also, like, it's a... a as an animation, but it's a one-shot sequence of, her, of them kind of taking a base that I thought was really good. So the action pretty much impressed me throughout, except for the one finale sequence that I wasn't super big on. But yeah, I thought the animation and the action was all pretty good. Yeah, and there was a post-credit type scene that I, I liked as well. And I will say, if you have a daughter or something, I feel like, especially this episode, like the women empowerment of it all, it felt like... I don't know how to word this, but it felt like believable and like right for the story and it didn't feel like overtly and like obvious like like I feel like the there's two ways to do things there's like the women moment at the end of the season two finale of the Mandalorian where it just like happens to be all women fighting and it just felt natural and it didn't feel like that was their end goal it's just they were there filming the scene and all the characters fighting happened to be women and then you have the moment in Endgame where it was like very clearly like, oh, we're going to get all of the women together into this one shot that just felt exactly like that was their goal. If we want all of the women fighting together. And I feel like this was a lot more like the Mandalorian of it's not like we're not setting out to write like a female empowerment story. They were just writing a story with a female lead and it worked. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I'm very excited to get to the rest of these because this is one of the least ambitious in terms of the premise. It's just like, oh, what if Peggy Carter did the exact same plot of First Avengers instead of Steve Rogers, yeah. you know? So I wonder, I mean, it, it could only get more creative from here, I think, so I'm really excited. If it was already this good. Yeah. I wonder how good it'll get as they get more and more cosmic and abstract and wild with it. Yep, all right. Do you have any and I am curious, books? too. I have a theory going last second. I'll oh, throw yeah. a theory out there, Joe. Okay. That we hear, we hear in the opening credits here that Jeffrey writes the watcher. He says, Oh, I can't get involved. Like I can never get involved. I'm just a watcher. And I think by the end of the season, we're going to find out that he is involving himself, that he's manipulating these events to try and keep these characters together in some ways and that he's going to either that or some events going to change so significantly, significantly that he's going to decide he has to get involved. And I think the watcher is going to be involved in making this, not just random stories, but a continued connected plot. So Jeffrey Wright as a character is going to be, what you were theorizing is Doctor Strange. I think he's going to be the one that kind of connects this as a, as a plot together. All right. Yeah, I mean, anything that connects it, I think, would be interesting. All right. Anything else you want to have about what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Nope. Good time. Can't wait for the rest of it. All right. Then I guess we're m- moving <laughs> on to Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 16, Camino Lost, the season finale of The Bad Batch. I wanted to call it Camino more. Mm. Yeah. Because there's no more Camino. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I appreciate the pun. But yeah, uh, Camino Lost, season finale, very sad uh, kind of episode in a way. Uh, specifically, I think the moment towards the beginning when Camino sinks into the ground, well, into the water, I guess I should say, and they had a clone... Uh, trooper be the one to reveal it I believe to Admiral Rampart that Kamino is sunk and all of the cloning facilities are destroyed and I will say at this moment in time you and I should retire from predicting bad batch <laughs> look we were late you know you're slow we said we've been saying from the, like early on in the season we were like okay the season's gonna end with a Kamino uprising that clearly didn't happen and will never happen and then from, like, mid-season on, we've been saying, oh, one of the clones is definitely going to die. No way. No way all of the clones are living through this. And then we're like, oh, um, Crosshair, he has to die. He's not going to live through this. What kind of arc are they going to give him? You know, he, I, he can't just happily join the Bad Batch. Well, I guess we also didn't 
predict. Oh yeah, he's just going back to the Empire. But I, I, I will predict. I know I said thirty seconds ago we should retire from predicting. I don't <laughs> think he's going to last very long with the Empire. I think he's going to be a Boba Fett style or Cad Bane style character. He's going to become like an outlaw that kind of lives I, on the edge type character. I, I, I'm really excited to see him on that path now. I was going to say, do you think there's a situation where we see him join Crimson Dawn? I think that's a really strong possibility now that you mentioned that. He could even become, I don't know where, you're this Crimson Dawn expert, so I would know along the timeline of Crimson we Dawn history I mean, that, where they the are problem. right now. As a big fan of Crimson Dawn, we don't really know a whole lot about them. Read read the current run of Star Wars comic books that's running there, dealing with Crimson Dawn right now. But I don't yeah. know how canon that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, everything that's comic has mostly stayed true to canon, but for the, we really don't know, like, when Crimson Dawn kind of started, like, right around the fall of the Empire a little bit before, and we don't really know when it ended, we just know it ended before Rebels started. Because I would love to see him, Cad Bane, maybe Boba Fett, like, some of these scattered surviving bounty hunters become, like, the founding, not the founders of... of, of but sort of involved in the founding of it, you know? Yeah. Head of the different, you know, areas of the syndicate, yeah. Or even just witnesses of it happening. I don't know. I can, I can see that being like a criminal underworld show on Disney Plus Sunday. Yeah. Showing the rise of Crimson Dawn. Yeah. I've been championing that for as long as we've been doing this show. Is I, want, <laughs> I want a Crimson Dawn three-season animated show. But yeah, I definitely think that's a possibility, but I'm because I, I just don't see, if he's so mad at the Bad Batch for abandoning him and he, that's why he's fighting them. To me, it doesn't make sense for him to go to the Empire when the Empire legitimately just tried to kill him. Yeah, I don't know. I think in a way it felt almost like a commentary on how people feel like this big conglomerate has to care about them and they have to be loyal to the Empire because the Empire, even though. They literally are showing to their face that they're killing them. They'll be like, yeah, but the Empire said that they care about me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Empire said that I'm doing the right thing, so they just keep doing what they're told they're supposed to do. And if, if Crosshair is going to break out of that sort of brainwashed state, it's going to take even more than his friends to get him out of that. So if he does leave the Empire, I think it's going to be in a little bit. I think it'll take him a bit, and I think it was foolish of us. Well, I guess it was foolish of us to underestimate the show because we expected the show to be make it easy, and it wasn't that easy for him. So I'm ex- yeah. it was it was a pleasant surprise that he didn't just say, "Oh yeah, you guys are right." Actually, yeah, I I do like how much it made me feel for uh, Crosshair in this episode. There were so many like emotional moments, like this and last episode, where I get Crosshair's perspective and I see his view of the world, and I'm like, I disagree with you. I mean, and that was kind of one of the the pl- like messages of this episode like just because we disagree doesn't mean we have to fight mm-hmm. and that was kind of the message of this episode and it made me understand that about crosshairs like i i get his perspective and i understand where he's coming from I, I want your thoughts do you think he still has the chip in his head because that guy rubs his head a lot for a guy who claims his chip has been removed I wonder if it's been removed or it's just been turned off or something. Or he's been lied to, possibly. They told him that they removed it, but they haven't. To me... But I, I, at this point, that would be a weird plot point to bring back up. Because I, I, I felt the emotion of him saying he removed it. So it would be weird to be like, oh, actually, he lied. Well, because to me, I don't think it's him lying. I would I would think it would be the Empire lied to him. That's the, that's the I, way I, I would I, go. I, if I, if, if he still, to me, if he still has his chip in his head, he doesn't know. He thinks it's been removed. And that could be what turns him. That could be the one thing where he's like, oh, I trusted the Empire even against my own friends, and then you guys didn't even move the chip. You guys yep. didn't trust me at all. Yep. Yeah, I like that. I, one of the things I did like was him saving... Uh, uh, when he pulled the gun and he was, like, shooting down and it was, like, kind of aimed at Hunter, I'm like, is he going to straight murder Hunter right now? But when he <laughs> saved AZ and Omega, I was like, oh, oh, snap. I will say there was a moment when they were getting in those pods... Number one, when they were doubled up and Omega was by herself, I'm like, okay, there has to be some plot around this at some point because just real life, strategically, you wouldn't put the smallest person in a pod by themselves. You would be like, Omega's definitely sharing a pod with somebody else. <laughs> um, and when they put Ome- when they put Crosshair and Hunter in the same pod, I thought that pod might not make it. That would have been a rough when I pod. saw both of them in the same pod, I'm like, <laughs> if any of these pods don't make it, it's going to be Yeah, that that's one. the one. 
the arguments that's they're not gonna they're not gonna last 30 seconds yeah like the plot armor on that pod is a lot less than <laughs> around some of the other ones yeah i love that too because you're like okay when you get to points like this you're like okay it's the finale season which of these characters have like completed their arcs now how can we rank them so we know like who's most likely to die and then of course none of them end up dying yeah. but i did uh want to mention that i got very emotional throughout the episode here uh, you mentioned towards the beginning of course that the, the kind of follow camino was set up last week and then really kind of collapsed and happened this week and that was powerful for me and I, you, we, all the way to the eight to the az death though this whole episode did feel like a finale to the prequel era in a way yeah but like so many points it felt like okay this is set sort of right after the empire started or like maybe a year or two after or maybe like you know a little bit before a little bit after and this feels like we are experiencing like the, the fall of the Republic and the, and the rise of the Empire and this whole collapse of the of Camino and then the one tiny little survival of AZ at the end is like the one little batch of hope that remains for like maybe some sparing little survival of 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 hope remains. I think that's something that Star Wars loves to cling on to. It's like even in the darkest moments when everything's kinda of collapsing, there's like this one little tiny bit of hope that you can you can cling on to. And yeah. that's something that they did a lot. Uh, really well with this episode. Yeah, I feel like one of the points of this show is when the show started, like season one, episode one, it still very much felt like we were in the Clone Wars era. I feel like final season, final episode, it's going to very much feel like we are, I don't want to say original trilogy era, but it's very much in like the era of the Empire. Like, yeah, I think the Clone the Wars era is not like, there is no. Other than maybe some survivors of the Bad Batch, there are no like clones anymore. There are no clone troopers. It's all stormtroopers. Like, you know, that's. I feel like it's very much going to make us feel like that. Like right now, we're even seeing like the ships they use to bombard um, Kamino were like Clone Wars era ships. I feel like we're not going to be seeing those whenever the final season hits. It's all going to be like Imperial starships yeah i think we're seeing the, the transition definitely between styles and that's something i felt really heavily here especially as a huge fan of the prequels watching camino collapse it was like oh god there goes my whole childhood yeah. <laughs> collapsing into the water eating it alive by like monsters and fish and i thought it was also really fascinating to see like star wars as a property and as like the iconography has always been about like nature versus technology and the and the conflict of like relying heavily on technology versus versus the force and being calm and being one and being in one with nature and watching the technology based Camino kind of collapse into the ocean and become an instant just back one to the earth and eaten up by these fish. And I thought that was a really cool imagery to add to the star Wars lore. That was something yeah. I was always fascinated about with star Wars. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about too was, I don't remember my mind just went blank. <laughs> Uh, but I did want to bring up, um, as far as like the uh, upcoming future, do you have any predictions potentially for season two? I know we talked about uh, uh, Crosshair potentially, you know, joining Crimson Dawn or being a bounty hunter or anything. But any other predictions as far as you know, antagonists? Are we still fighting the Empire? Is the Empire still our main force we're working against? Is this going to move kind of like how Clone Wars did, where? You know, for the first part, it was the Republic versus the Confederacy of Independent Independent Systems, and then kind of we had the Darth Maul syndicate of it all moved in, and we kind of had three different groups. Do you think there's a potentially that Bad Batch could go the same way? It starts Republic, or it starts kind of Bad Batch versus the Empire, and then kind of moves to Bad Batch versus you know criminals versus the Empire. Yeah, I think we could definitely see the Bad Batch being out on their own now. They really wouldn't have any, much to rely on. I think that's what we're going to get, the Bad Batch having to go up against criminals, up against anybody, anybody who's in their way. Yeah. And I do think we're definitely going to see the Bad Batch join up with uh, the Rebellion. And that's going to be what gives them sort of a direction. Because I think the first few episodes of the Season 2, they're going to just be like, okay, let's take on this one job, let's take on this job. Sort of like you're getting with Sid. Like, oh, there's kind of a connective history, but here's just a job to get them by. And then eventually they're going to find, like Crosshair mentioned in the finale last week, like they need a direction. They're more than, they're meant for more than just floating around in the galaxy. And they're going to find that through the rebellion. We, we predicted maybe a Saw Gerrera type 
of Rebellion character, but I could see them in some kind of rebellious role going forward. And then by the end of season two, they're essentially part of some form of the Rebellion, if not the Rebel Alliance. Yeah, I could see that as like a season two kind of finale of them, like joining like Jandodana or, you know, another Rebel Cell, potentially. Knowing our predictions, that's not going to happen at all. It'll be completely no. Knowing different. our predictions, they will be full-on fledged members of Crimson Dawn. Yep, they're all joining Crimson Dawn. <laughs> Darth Maul comes season two, episode one. We are com- yeah. we are like completely off base. We don't see rebels at all. Yeah, yeah. That that would be my prediction. Um, I have a question for you, Joe. Yeah. Right now, it might be our only week where we have a what if and Star Wars crossover so if you were going to make a star wars what if episode you could do a what if of any moment in star wars oh, maybe, is, maybe, maybe luke turns good no, maybe maybe ray joins maybe luke turns bad you know maybe ray I, I've joins, thought about this for a, ray for joins a, kylo for, what are you doing for a long time uh what if bail organa and his wife always wanted a son that, that that's just the what if so luke is raised on Alderaan his whole life, and Leia is sent to live with her aunt and uncle on Tatooine. That's a really good what if. And I would, uh, to me, I would make that like a two-part episode that covers basically the first episode is the original trilogy, and the second episode is the sequel trilogy. I like that a lot. I think the sequel trilogy is is destined for some good what ifs because there's a lot of good potential there, and yeah. not quite. A great execution. So I think a, a, some Ray and Kylo what if yeah. would be interesting. Even like some, what if even some prequel. Snoke picks like, up Ray I'm, and... I'm, I'm, this is. I mean, we're only thirty minutes in. I'm down to turn this into like a bit of a conversation here. But I'm down for like a what if Anakin left the Jedi Order with Ahsoka and he just like raised Luke and Leia in the Force outside of being Jedi. Like I think that would be a great episode. I would love that because as I was watching the episode where Ahsoka is leaving the Jedi Temple, it's a very emotional, powerful moment where she's standing with Anakin and he's walking out and essentially he's saying, like, please don't go because they have this intense connection of, like, a, a, I don't know what, there's it's a strong bond. But uh, I think that I, in that moment watching it, I know Anakin doesn't leave with her, but I was saying, Anakin, just go. Just leave. Just, you, you, you'd be so, because you know in your heart that Anakin... Maybe it would have been better off. Maybe if he had left at that point, he wouldn't have turned to the dark side. He wouldn't have become Darth Vader. And maybe the Empire loses. Yeah. Maybe maybe Sidious has to find a new ploy, a new target. And how does that change the whole the whole entire plot of Star Wars? Yeah, I'd even be down for something that uses like lesser known characters in a way. Like, what if Ahsoka didn't fight Vader at the end of uh, season two of Rebels, mm-hmm. and so we get a moment of what if Luke, uh, Ahsoka, Ezra, and Kanan just roll up on Vader and Palpatine <laughs> with Yoda, with Yoda and Obi Wan? I've always wanted to know like, what if Qui-Gon five just roll turns up to the dark side with mm-hmm. with uh, with his master with Dooku. Dusty, with Dooku. <laughs> yeah, you could with have Dooku. that, and then you could also have the flip in. Uh, Phantom Menace of what if Obi-Wan died and Qui-Gon lived what if that's what caused basically uh, Obi-Wan dies and Phantom Menace Qui-Gon lives, finds out Dooku turned to the dark side after Obi-Wan dies, Qui-Gon goes to Dooku for like help just like a therapy sesh like hey bro, my apprentice just died, what do I do and Dooku basically uses this they both turn to the dark side together, bring Anakin with them, and then they just roll up on Palpatine, take the three, the two, Qui-Gon and Dooku take out Palpatine, and then we're in a whole different galaxy. Yeah, Star Wars is kind of built for that. There's so many singular moments like what, that define Star Wars history. So I think What If would be a really fascinating uh, premise to bring into Star Wars. All the way back to Phantom Menace, there's so much coincidence that brings things together. Like, what if uh, Anakin decides to stay with his mother, and then mm-hmm. he doesn't go off with Obi Wan, and they kind of, and then maybe Anakin, as a teenager, starts to become his build his own Force sensitivity, and becomes like a Tatooine rebel criminal living yeah. on the outskirts of Mos Eisley as a outlaw, 
and then he has some call to action and become a hero or not become a hero. Or maybe he runs into Anakin and Ahsoka on a mission in Tatooine during the Clone Wars, and that could be a cool what if. Yeah. An Anakin who never went off and never ran into Obi-Wan at all. Maybe Obi-Wan and Anakin never land on Tatooine, and that was just an Anakin who's lived with his parents, lived with his mother on Tatooine his, his whole life. That could be a really interesting storyline. Yeah, what if... Uh... What if Han Solo didn't survive the Kessel Run and eventually Luke is just captured by Vader early on when he goes to yeah. the Death Star? Or when he's on the Death Star, he's, Han Solo is not there. It's just some other random scoundrel who's not really that helpful. And so Luke Luke doesn't have the help he needs. He doesn't have Han. And so Vader just takes him and trains him in the dark side. Could be interesting. Han never shows up at the end of uh, Star Wars, so Luke just gets shot down. Instead of blowing up the Death Star, yeah. and now we get Luke, uh, Leia on the run, and Han comes back and tries to apologize, but she's not accepting it, and Han has to have a, a hero's journey of proving himself and becoming the new hero of the galaxy. Yep. There's so many what-if possibilities. <laughs> do it, do it, Lucasfilm. Come on. Yeah. If this I, I does do well, think... maybe they'll do it. Maybe I, I, I do think somewhere. there's there's potential for this. I think once they get their feet on the ground, like once these upcoming shows oh, oh yeah that's another thing i wanted to talk one thing that i was going to talk about earlier that i wanted to say now that goes back to the bad batch is i've seen a lot of comments like talking shit about bad batch like oh what does this do to like expand the lore and my whole thing is if you're watching a show whether it's a marvel show a star wars show basically with the idea of like you're watching it to essentially like fill out a wikipedia page like, why? Like, to me, that just doesn't sound fun at all. Like, I don't really care. Like, if Star Wars is like, hey, we're going to release a show that's set a thousand years before anything else. We just think it's a cool story. It's really not connected to anything else because it's so far before anything else. Like, who cares? Like, it's not really about anything. It's not really about the founding of anything or the creation of anything. It's just a cool story in a somewhat different type of galaxy because it's so many years before. Like, what's wrong with that? And I feel like yeah, people would be mad because they're like, the I feel like they're like, oh, well, this doesn't like make me see anything differently or expand my knowledge of anything. It's just a story. And I'm like, well, who cares? Like, like that, I think that's what some people's disconnect with Solo is, is it doesn't really like expand the lore of Star Wars. It's just like a fun Star Wars story. And like, I understand people can have problems beyond that, but I think that was a lot of people's problems with Solo. So it was just like... It didn't really expand anything. Yeah, I think we've seen that as a problem with Star Wars is people want, need that connective tissue. They need it to tell this larger story. And as long as it, as long as it expands the character story, I'm fine with it. I don't need it to expand Star Wars' story. And, and once in a while, when the character story does inter, interwene with, intertwine with the Star Wars story, it's cool that it brings Star Wars forward. Like this week when they had to go to Kamino and they had to intervene with the cloning plot we get a bit of the cloning story tissue, but then we have a lot of just the Bad Batch doing Bad Batch stuff going on their journeys. And then once in a while, coming back and iterating with the real plot. But it's they're not guided by the Star Wars plot, and I like that a lot about this show. Oh, one thing uh, we for completely completely forgot to talk about with Bad Batch is what did you think about that like semi post credit scene with Nala Say uh, meeting who looks a lot like that? That woman looks like she could be the. Uh, clone scientist from the Mandalorians like mom because they had like similar skin tone exact same uniform same glasses like if they revealed like oh yeah it's Pershing's mom from uh, Mandalorian like I'd be like yeah definitely makes sense they're completely leading into that story of course with that ending scene and that we mentioned that literally last week how how much are they going to go towards this what seems to be their overarching like X-Files lore story of the clone yeah. saga <laughs> throughout all of these Star Wars shows. And then that was the very the little punctuation mark at the end that gave us that hint. And I'm excited for it. That definitely is worth the teasing. I wouldn't be surprised if either season two of Bad Batch or season, what will it be, three of Mandalorian that we'll get back into that. Yeah. I The timeline is going to get very confusing now with so many different shows going on. It's gonna I'm going to need like a chart every week telling me where we are in the time in the Star Wars timeline we start going back and forth okay Obi-Wan this week Ahsoka this week you know we gotta we gotta get some yeah. schedule going and that's one thing I wanted to talk about too because we had talked about uh, right before we went on air of like do we want to expand this show to all streaming and I was saying no because I think next I think like we're gonna hit a lull here clearly 
but I think after that law lull, lull, it's going to be like we're going to hit the ground running because I was seeing someone on Reddit broke it down of essentially we're going to have six episodes of um, Book of Boba Fett, probably maybe eight episodes of Andor, so that's 14 episodes, uh, probably six episodes of Obi-Wan, so that's 20 episodes, another probably 16 episodes of uh, Bad Batch, so that's 36 episodes, plus probably another eight episodes for Mandalorian Season 3, so that's like 44 total episodes in about a calendar year. There's 52 weeks in a year, so essentially in 2020, if okay, from like Christmas 2021 to Christmas 2022, unless we have over overlap, there's going to be about eight weeks that we don't have a Star Wars show coming out. That is intense. That's going to be a uh... Yeah, we're going to be in a future where every week we get at least something Star Wars or Marvel for a very, yeah. very long time. <laughs> and yeah, all the way for Ma- our best Marvel, lives. Marvel's going to be super heavy coming out next year. So yeah, we're going to have a lot to talk about in 2022 as far as Disney Plus reviews. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm really excited to go back to the Nala Singh thing to see how much this stuff interconnects between Loki, between this we've seen the beginnings of what could be a larger storyline with these shows, both of these universes. And I'm really excited to see, is this going to be like a very large interconnected, yeah, if I watch everything kind of universe, or is it going to be, you can watch this, you can watch that, you can watch none of it <laughs> type thing. I, I can't wait to watch it. Are they going to go for the big risk of, you, you have to follow it and watch it all, at least the big episodes. Like, can you watch Mandalorian season three and not watch... Nala Singh in this one scene and know what happens. I'm sure you can. You don't need to know how they got Nala Singh, you know? Yeah. Alright, so uh, you watched Mysterious Benedict Society. Are you ready to uh, talk about that? Because I have not watched an episode. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is what you've talked about on episodes prior. So I'll tell you what, Joe. I know you haven't watched an episode, but I think you might want to change that, at least during these next couple of weeks when there's a bit of a lull, because... Outside of the Star Wars and Marvel stuff that we've watched, this is definitely my favorite thing. Uh, it is slightly out of our demographic, sure, but I think it's really charming. It's shot really, really well. The color is great. The performances are all really fun, and the episodes are, are still like you know 45, 50 minute length, so you're getting like a full length episode of a thing. So it feels like a like a feature length experience, and. Especially if you have a family member to watch it with, I think watching this with your kids would be a great experience. To yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll get on kids. Them. You know, go go rent some kids or something. You know, I think that's how it works. I don't think that's legally allowed. <laughs> yeah, some nieces and nephews or something. You know, that cousins. live in a different state. Yeah, call them up. Be like, hey, let's do a Zoom, socially distanced mm-hmm. viewing of Benedict Society. But I liked it a lot. It talks about doing the right thing in the face of danger and. They get directly into like free will and standing up against like bureaucratic society that's telling you uh, uh, certain things to do and not to do. Uh, but so I think that's a good, uh, potentially good lesson to learn, it's depending on what you're doing that you're not supposed to be doing. <laughs> but it talks about doing the right thing and standing up uh, for what is scientifically proven to be right and uh, being smart and being attentive and leaning into your quirks and leaning into your flaws, not being ashamed of them. I think all, all of the characters have like a central flaw and a central problem that at the beginning of the show is troubling them and something that they're not very proud of and something that has in their life cost them friends or cost them experiences. And in this, in this journey, they learn to kind of be proud of that. Not only proud of that, but to use it to their advantage and to use it as something that helps them in life instead of hinders them. So I think, that's something that is great to watch. So yeah, if you're looking to fill up a, a weekend or two, this is a solid binge watch. A nice feel good YA novel to cozy up and read during the hot summer days of the stressful variants that are going through our lives. Alright. Well, when I finish all of these binge watches I have, because I now have to because we're doing because of our episode I think we're doing on Monday, I have two or three movies I have to watch. 
And then I'm doing my James Bond watch through, watching all of them for the first time, and I'm only two down of the 24, going to try to watch another one tonight. And then I have to watch basically everything Star Wars canon has ever released, which is 330 pieces of media. That's every canon movie, every canon show, and every canon short that has been released. And my goal is to finish before Book of Boba Fett comes out on Christmas. Which means I have to average th- about three pieces of media a day. So on the days of the movies, I'm only going to get about one, maybe two in. On the days where I'm coasting through shows, hopefully I can get three or four in. It's going to be a stressful time in my life. It sounds like a hard time, Joe. Watching a lot of movies, all Star Wars stuff. And yeah. I'm going to be uh, doing a weekly review here during this kind of lull when, because I think our next Marvel show is going to be Hawkeye in November. So really we aren't going to have much between now and then. Uh, but I'll give an update on where I am in my watch through, uh, be chronological. So I'm going to watch Phantom Menace, I think, tomorrow. And then some shorts or something, and then immediately go into Attack of Clones. And then another few shorts. And then I just have a fuck ton of Clone Wars to watch. I'm going to reveal to you a couple of things here, Joe. Uh, first off, I'll be following along your Clone Wars watch closely because there are a handful of arcs in Clone Wars that I haven't seen yet okay. because I skipped around a bit in the middle because I was... It's, some of that show is a bit of an endurance test to get through, uh, if I'll be honest with you. Some of those droid storylines, you know, some yeah, of those... Yeah, some of them are not great. I think once you get past season three, like four four through seven is all pretty pretty solid. It's seasons one through three that are a little rough. At times. Yeah, I, I got through all season one. You get to two or three, and I'm like, I don't know if I can get through more of this stuff. And you start seeing, oh, by four and five, it really gets good. So, yeah, there's a bit of a a few a few moments that I've missed. So I'll be checking out what you think of them. But also, you mentioned a lull, so I'm going to try and fill in a bit of some gaps here. I was going through the movies here to see what was coming out, and not much is coming out. So I decided that in order to fill some of the space on this show, I'm going to go back and watch a couple of the Disney movies on here or the Disney Plus movies on here that I haven't seen yet. Uh, and one of those that I'm going to watch is next up, The Greatest Showman. Just got added to Disney Plus. Oh, that was a kind of a recent addition. That. A recent addition to Disney Plus that is an older release. But yeah, I meant to see it. I've been wanting to watch it for a while. I just kept putting it off, putting it off. And well, I'll I give think, you thoughts on that one. And I think Star Wars Visions comes out later this month. I want to say August 22nd is the release date. And I think those are all dropping on the same day so we will be reviewing that in I think maybe two weeks so when we'll review Star Wars Visions I'm not sure whatever whatever Friday after or Saturday or whatever we tape it after it drops it's interesting to drop them at all at once I wonder if that's going to be just for that one thing or if that's going to be a regular thing they do I don't know do you want to move on to our last piece of our last topic for the day let's give let's go for it Joe feed me some topic Alright, so I, I didn't feel like we had enough Star Wars content uh, on the docket today. Yeah, we don't talk about Star Wars enough on this channel. Uh, so I decided to add some Star Wars uh, casting news. Apparently, Lucasfilm and Disney are down to three actresses to play the role of a live-action Sabine Wren. In Interesting. I st- I don't think they've said where she will pop up, but my guess would probably be the Ahsoka show. That's uh, there's no reason it wouldn't be. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be like, shocked if it was anything else. They've, I mean, maybe she appears in something first to then be predominantly in the Ahsoka show. Like maybe she's in like Mandalorian season three for like an episode, only to then be in the Ahsoka show as like a main character. Uh, but yeah, they've basically cast Mina Massad, who played Aladdin in the live action Aladdin, to play uh, Ezra Bridger. Uh, but these actresses I'm not very familiar with. Uh, you have Lena Condor, uh, Tati Gabrielle, and Havana Rose Leo, who are all relatively uh, of East Asian descent. I was curious. People always throw out fan casting for a Sabine that is not Asian actresses. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, guys, uh, I don't think we need to have that problem right now in yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Have one. Have you looked Lana up the actresses Con- at all and seen if there's anything that? Uh, I would Lana know Condor or... is uh, basically like the main person in To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Ah, uh, okay, yes, I know her. And then the other ones I've looked up before, and I I have no idea who they are. Let's do that right now. I'm gonna look up Tati Gabriel. 
Okay, you Google Tati Gabriel, because that's easier to tell someone how to spell. T-A-T-I Gabriel, Gabriel, and I'll look up Havana Rose Liu and see if we can find anything they've been in. This is great broadcasting. I know, you guys are getting a really good shot and everything. I'm really yeah, glad you did this, Yeah, it's just iconic, iconic uh, broadcasting right here. We are professionals. I know, this is what I get paid to do. You know, we make the big bucks here at Movie Change Up. I can't find my mouse, so I'm just trying to do it with my, with my keyboard. <laughs> so, Havana Rose Liu has two acting credits, and I uh, haven't heard of either of them. Tatiana Gabrielle is on IMDb, and she is credited. Oh, she's been in Chilling Adventures Sabrina, so I've seen her. She was on the 100. Uh, she was in the Emoji movie. I've definitely seen that. To me, Tati Gabrielle looked, was the one that looked the most like Sabine, because Sabine is East Asian, but she looks, or like, I mean, it's hard to tell because it's animation and everything, but she lo- has like a darker complexion. You know? Yes, I've definitely seen her and stuff. I like her. I think she looks really good. I think she looks great for the part, actually. That's my fan casting. I'm picking it right there, Joe. I'm calling it. Tati Based Gabriel. off of the IMDb po- pictures. Uh, she was a lo- long-running character in the Sabrina TV show on Netflix. So if you guys have seen that, she played uh, Prudence Knight. I've only seen a couple episodes, so I can't remember who that is. She was also in You, season three of that uh, I don't think it's come out yet, but she was in an episode of season two. She played Marianne. I don't remember who she was, but she was in You. She's had a couple of appearances in my in my life, so I recognize the face. <laughs> yeah, and also seen... Uncharted, so if you're a fan of Tom Holland or video games or Mark Wahlberg, she'll be in that too. Yeah, I've seen so many people be like, oh, like they've had live action people, or they've had the voice actors play them in live action before with like Katie Sackhoff playing Bo-Katan, and it's like, and they've wanted Tia Sakar to play Sabine. It's like, number one, they don't look the same at all. And number two, Sabine in this role is probably supposed to be like 25 or 30. And Tia Sakar is like over 40. So, Yeah, and of course, like, Katie Sackhoff has been an actress in TV shows before. So she's like experienced and <laughs> not just a voice actress. Well, I think you know? Tia Sakar was in sure. a good place for a while. Oh, that's okay. Well, yeah, I don't know, because Katie Sackhoff, there was not exactly an accurate age in the casting there. Yeah, that one, that like, Katie Sack or, uh, Bo-Katan in The Mandalorian should be, like, 50. And I, I do think we need to stop signing hair as a source, as a source, because I do feel like we have to accept that maybe that was just a stunt casting, like a one-off thing. Here's the, yeah. it was like, we happened to get, being talks to Katie Sackhoff to join Star Wars, and she was already in it, so we were like, hey, let's make it work. I don't think we should be treating that like the, the common thing because we're already seeing it not be true. Like, Thrawn's probably going to show up and not be Thrawn. No, the that's, the, that's the other rumor, too, is the voice of Thrawn is playing Lars Mikkelsen, a.k.a. Mads Mikkelsen's brother, who voiced Thrawn in Rebels, is going to play him in live action. So. Well, what do I know? There I go, certain sighting things. I think that's true. the thing. If you look like the, the guy that played um, th- uh, David Oyelowo voiced Agent Callus in Rebels. David Oyelowo can't really play live-action Callus. So I think the thing is, if you, like, can believably play the character in live-action, depending on the timeline, they will let you or try to get you, but if you can't, then they'll just recast you. And I also think it, it is how much does the role demand of you as an actor. Yeah. Like, when Katie Sackhoff was playing Bo-Katan, most of it was, a, I would assume, a stunt actress in the armor, and Katie Sackhoff does some of the cool lines and the cool moments, but she's not... Like the lead of the show, she's not there the whole time every episode. She had a handful of scenes here and there, but she wasn't like trying to win Emmys or anything like that. That you know, and I'm sure she'd be great at it. She's but, not bad, a bad actress, but it wasn't relying on her on her performance. Yeah, and Katie Sackhoff is more known as a live action actress anyway, who just happened to voice Bo-Katan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if it's a rare moment where it's like, yeah, we can get them for the role, or they'll be there here and there. They're not going to be selling this, selling the show on the back of the Thrawn actor being the Thrawn actor. Yeah, yeah. And Lars Mikkelsen again has done both. He's kind of been heavy in both. And like Jason Isaacs, like if they wanted to get the Grand Inquisitor back, would not be surprised if Jason Isaacs uh, was cast as the Grand Inquisitor again. Yeah, I'm I'm excited because I do think. 
we're in a bit of a lull here, but it's going to be a, t a takeover yeah. <laughs> pretty yeah. soon. Yeah. I wonder how much is going to be a take to follow all this. Yeah, we're going to be in a lull, and then Hawkeye's going to hit in November, and Book of Boba Fett's going to hit in December, and it's just going to be nonstop from there on out. So, oh, also forgot to uh, review Turner and Hooch this week. Uh, basically the same tone and quality as uh, the previous episodes. So if what I said about the previous episodes made you interested in watching it and you haven't watched it yet, yeah, it's basically on the same path of quality. If what I said before didn't make you interested in, recent, my review of the most recent episode ain't going to change that. So there you go. That's my review of uh, Turner and Hooch this week. Anything else you want to say about Disney Plus this week before we wrap up? Nope, I'm excited for next week uh, as we get more of Marvel What If, but yeah, we'll have to be diving into the weeds to find some more stuff to cover. <laughs> yeah, there's I a documentary called Stuntman I tried to watch for 20 minutes and I just could not get into it, and so I turned it off. Uh, it was very boring. It was about something that happened like seven years ago that they've now compiled into a documentary, and I think it was just so bad they couldn't find anyone that wanted to take it and disney plus was like oh we need content we'll buy it the rock produced it so i i i mentioned i want to end on one cool thing i watched joe i forgot okay. to mention this because okay. i was very desperate for something to cover so i went to new on disney plus i started scrolling over to look at stuff and i saw something called like goofy's how to stay at home yeah so i watched it and if you want to see a piece of, like, media history, something that in 100 years will be shown at, like, the Smithsonian Museum of this is what Disney was creating during the 2020-2021 health scenario. And you want to, like, so I could imagine sitting here and being, like, with my <laughs> just blow. It, it, it's these short little one to two to three-minute things of Goofy showing you oh how to put on a mask how to binge watch how to say how to clean your hands how to social distance so very much like teaching you how to do things within the within the context of 2020 and 2021 so if you want to see an interesting spotlight on the times and something that your great great grandchildren might go to disney world and watch as remember back in the day when we had to create these to tell people what to do during a health uh, scenario you can check that out it might be a pretty cool thing to watch just to have seen as part of history alright I'll definitely not check that out so <laughs> if what he said sounded interesting to you go check it out but I don't I don't, I don't, I don't care about that so uh, if you have nothing else to say that's all I got that's all you got alright uh, I just want to add with go Lions you know they're gonna go Six and eleven this year, and I'm here for it. So have a nice night. Enjoy your Saturday, or Friday, or whatever day you're watching this. Maybe you're watching this on a Tuesday. Enjoy your Tuesday. Have a nice. Hey, thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.